pastors, Janet, and our able treasurer are going to come and make some comments to us at this time. Good morning. Imagine a church that reaches into the community to care for the neglected, help the hurting, assist the alien, while inspiring them all with the hope of the gospel message. That's First Alliance Church, and specifically our Community Impact Ministry area. Community Impact is one of 15 ministries that I oversee in two major ministry groups. This team, under the direct oversight of Scott Taylor and Bill Lorai, has taken the challenge to meet the needs of the community that is around us. Our food pantry has more than doubled their ministry to those in need from 211 food pantry visits in March of 2009 to more than 450 visits just last month. Working through St. Paul's Church of Christ in Erie, our upper room ministry prepares and serves meals on the first and third Sundays of each month to the homeless of Erie. We invited you, and you responded with more than 120 back-to-school supplies, which were given to students through the Cherry Street Church of God. We have volunteers who faithfully serve on Saturdays at the Erie City Mission, have used their skills in construction to build restrooms at the City Mission thrift stores, and built a wheelchair ramp for a needy family in Erie. And First Alliance Church is in a rotation of churches providing chapel and lunch ministries at the mission on Sunday mornings, all of which were in place and thriving prior to Rick Crocker's appointment as the executive director. And if that wasn't enough, we have a strong ministry to the refugee community in Erie as we offer English as a second language classes where the Bible is used to engage students in dialogue. This ministry was highlighted recently in the Erie Times News and has expanded to writing workshops and classes at the Adult Learning Center's computer labs. Finally, on Monday evenings, the Friendship Ministry continues to provide a worship environment for adults in the community who have special needs. What I have just shared with you are not merely programs and activities. We are investing kingdom values and principles and truth into the lives of people. People who are hurting, people who are vulnerable, and people who need help. Your efforts, your service, and your giving to the general fund ensures that these ministries continue. If you'd like to volunteer for one of these ministries or others, do not hesitate to contact me and I will put you in touch with the right person and get all the information to you. Just imagine for one moment what could happen in this next year. Praise God. Hello. My name is Keith, and after 17 years of ministry, I am still a youth pastor. Amen. 
as I was thinking about this past year, a quote that I read recently just really fits where our youth ministry has been. It's by Shane Claiborne, and it says, Most good things have been said far too many times and just need to be lived. And as we've been working with the youth this past year, they are just living out their faith, their walk with God before others. And it's just exciting to see. My prayer has been basically that God would keep me out of the way and allowing them to do what they have been doing. And I encourage you to be praying for our youth ministry. I'm not going to go through specifics, but we kind of we didn't talk about this, but there's kind of a theme through some of our, our reports to you. Um, our youth have been reaching out. They're involved with the Bethany Outreach Center downtown. We've teamed up with uh, Epic on some different outreach events. They're reaching out in their schools. We have many of the youth that are running prayer groups and, and Bible studies um, within their schools. Um, some of our youth actually at one of the high schools go around each morning and pick different teachers to go up and just say, hey, can we pray with you this morning? And it's just so neat to see them being involved and letting God just have a part of their lives. They're so open to what he wants to do with them. So I encourage you to continue to pray with them this summer. We have some mission trips, opportunities for them, and I'm just excited to see what God's going to do in this following year. Thank you. Before I start my report, I just want to offer a word of praise and thanksgiving that yesterday our son Joshua got home from Iraq. <laughs> I'm proud of you, Joshua. A ministry area of critical importance at First Alliance is that of children's ministry. I say critical because our work is foundational as we partner with parents in building a foundation of moral and spiritual development. Research has shown that a child's moral and spiritual moorings begin as early as the age of two and are in place by the age of nine. The research further shows that the probability of a person embracing Jesus as their Savior is highest before the age of 13. After that, the percentages range from 4 to 6%. With that in mind, our goal is not only to teach biblical knowledge and understanding, but also to instill a biblical worldview in our kids. That is the primary tool that they will need as they face life's challenges and decisions. This past year, we had the privilege of ministering to over 600 children from nursery through sixth grade on Sunday mornings and Awana on Sunday evening. There were 230 kids registered for upward basketball this year and more than 250 in VBS last summer. We sow the seeds, and through the work and ministry of more than 200 youth and adult volunteers, our kids are nurtured in the faith, and many are brought to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This year, we are looking forward to enhancing the partnership between the church and the family as we seek to, to develop a closer working relationship with parents, coming alongside and helping them to fulfill their biblical responsibility as godly parents. Our Children's Outreach will also sponsor a first-ever short-term mission trip as we partner with our sister congregation in Lublin, Poland. Please keep our children's ministry in your prayers, not only because the challenges are great, but that the opportunities are even greater. Thank you.
There are several ministries that I might mention this morning which focus on the care of the church family. But I've selected just one to share with you, and that's our hospital mercy team. This group presently consists of about 27 caring, committed, and trained individuals who visit our hospital members, hospitalized members and attenders daily in our area hospitals Monday through Saturday. Recently, uh, one of our senior ladies, Mary Brown, spent about 10 days on the seventh floor at St. Vincent Medical Center. And toward the end of uh, her stay there, one of her nurses asked her, who are all those beautiful people who come and visit you every day and pray with you? If you know anything about Mary, um, she's not one to pass up an opportunity to speak for her Lord. And she said, they're all brothers and sisters in Christ in my church family who love the Lord and want to serve him. And the nurse replied, in all my years of nursing, I have never seen anything like that before. The purpose of our mercy team is not to impress anyone, but it's to fulfill Christ's call in Matthew 25 to show mercy to the sick as if we were doing so to Christ himself. For the king will answer, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Many of you know firsthand, either through your own hospitalization or that of a loved one, that uh, this is a blessed ministry. May God continue to use it for his glory, is my prayer. Good morning. Two weeks in a row up here. This is crazy. Um, in fact, this feels a little, like, little bit like a student body president campaign, doesn't it? And if you vote for me, I promise to extend recess for a half an hour starting. That's right. Praise God for that. It's one thing to stand up here and to be able to tell you guys all the things that God has done through Epic. However, I thought it would be a great idea uh, to show you and allow you to experience it along with us. Watch this. For this year's annual report, we want to simply talk numbers. 120. The number of complete holiday meal boxes handed out to the patrons of FAC Food Pantry. 600. The number of pancakes served to the families of downtown Erie. Along with 1,125 Easter eggs found by the children attending our annual egg hunt. 110 and 63, the number of cheeseburgers handed out and cups of coffee poured for the underserved late at night on the streets of downtown Erie. 850, the number of hot dogs eaten during our picnic outreaches at Frontier Park. 76, the number of epic adults involved in a small group study designed to draw themselves closer to each other and to God. 10. The number of dynamic message series that have impacted and changed lives. 11. Including our Love Dove series, where we learned that over 1 billion people don't have access to clean, safe drinking water.
And in fact, over 80% of all disease in the world is caused by unsafe water, which is not acceptable. So 29, the day in November when Epic Faith and FAC students got dirty and for three weeks drank only water, saving the difference, trying to raise $5,000 to dig one clean water well, when in fact, $9,296.94 was the actual amount raised towards the construction of two clean water wells. Translation, 744, the number of people that will have access to clean drinking water for 20 years. Would you join us in giving God praise for the work accomplished, the people reached, and the lives changed through His church? Thank you. Join me in praising God for what He's done through His church. I would like to talk to you about the worship ministries of First Alliance. What you see and participate in on Sundays is only a part of what happens in worship ministry on a regular basis. It takes many people working together to accomplish all that we do in our services. Our worship choir, vocal teams, worship leaders, and instrumentalists serve faithfully each week in rehearsals and preparations for when we come together on Sunday, as well as our sound technicians, slide operators, and those who decorate our worship area. Since we learned last fall that Pastor Rick and Kathy would be leaving us for a new ministry, we knew we would experience a noticeable absence during our times of worship, since Pastor Rick had been our primary worship leader for several years and because of Kathy's regular presence at the organ. I have been so blessed and encouraged by the faithfulness of the members of our worship ministry through these months. They have served with renewed desire to please God and to lead us in meaningful expressions of worship. I would like to publicly thank these individuals for stepping up and helping to preserve the strong history of worship through music that we have enjoyed for so many years. Also, I want to express my gratitude to God for his faithfulness through the past year. We have faced many challenges and changes, and especially in the last part of the year, a season of stretching and growth for many individuals. God has spoken clearly to us, given us direction and guidance, and provided encouragement through comments of many in our church family. Our desire is to give him praise and lift his name high each week as we come together for worship. Thanks be to the Lord. Several weeks ago when I told my wife Judy that we're going to have a business meeting this Sunday, that I would have a part to play in it. She said, well, what part is that? I have to give the treasures report. Boring. It can be boring. If you get mixed up in the numbers, you can go to sleep with it. But before I get into that, I want to tell you a couple of stories. I believe there's somebody here today that needs to hear this story. Over 35 years ago, when Stephanie was just three years old and my oldest son was eight, we had five kids. My career was just getting underway. We lived on Shenley Drive. You know where that is in northwestern Erie. We came to this church when it was on West 11th Street. And by the way, we came Sunday morning with five kids. 
And we came Sunday night with five kids. Week after week after week. But anyway, we gave our time and talents to the Lord and all the resources, the few that we had. And that's my point. We were living hand to mouth. My career was just getting underway. Uh, we were living from paycheck to paycheck. And it got tough. We had to pinch every penny. Well, one week, uh, we were three days away from payday. And we were totally out of food. I mean totally. There wasn't a noodle or a potato or a box of cereal or anything in the house. What are we going to do? What are we going to feed our children? There was no food pantry back then. So we prayed. A knock on the door, and in comes a middle-aged couple from our church with ten bags of groceries. That's why I'm here today. That was 30-some years ago. I'm not here to give a financial report. I'm here to tell you, God is with you through thick and thin. Another story. There was a young couple, married couples group. We were all in the same boat, trying to raise our kids, pinch pennies. We got together every weekend for fellowship and prayer. Larry and Janet Morris from our church today were part of that group. Larry is in charge of our moving, moving people. And Dave and Marla Bell, Dave's an elder today. He was part of that group. And we were basically poor. But anyway, we got together. We frequently met at Jack Bowman's house, occasionally Mary Brown's house, I think. But anyway, some, for some reason, there was always a lot of food there. And we, I looked forward to that, you know. And I felt embarrassed because I said, you know, I don't have any money to contribute to this on an ongoing basis. And Jack said, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Come to find out, and I found this out last October, just six months ago. This is 30-some years later I found this out. One of the elders of First Alliance Church back then, who, by the way, also mortgaged his house to buy this property, come to find out he was giving Jack the money every week, week after week, to pay for, to pay for the young couple's food when they got together. That's why I'm still here at First Alliance Church. And that's the treasurer's report. Praise God. <laughs> During the closing months of 2009, our certified public accountants, Felix and Gloeckler, conducted an independent audit of FAC's financial position. And all the related statements, accounts, internal records and controls, functional expenses and cash flows, etc., for the fiscal year ending August 31st, 2009. Thankfully, in their opinion, the findings and report of the audit represent fairly in all respects the financial position of FAC in conformity with the generally accepted accounting principles. Praise God. <clears throat> A copy of their 17-page report, which I am now going to go over. No. <laughs> A copy of their 17-page report is, is with accompanying financial statements and comment is available in the FAC office for any members or attendees who are interested in reviewing that information in more detail. The financial information summarized, by the way, in your copy of FAC's annual report is based on the same data and is consistent with their findings and those of previous audits. So in the few minutes remaining today, I just want to first provide some background commentary on two of the charts in your annual report 
for historical perspective, and then briefly report on the trends since our fiscal year ended last August. So trends from September 2009 through March 2010. So the first bar chart that I'd like to highlight shows the total dollars given to our general fund for the last five years. The general fund pays for the day-to-day operation of First Alliance Church. All our personnel expenses, our utility bills, gas, electric, our supplies, our routine maintenance, and janitorial services, all of that and all the ministries that our pastors just reviewed with you. All of that is paid for out of the general fund. Over this time period, as shown on the screen, our Lord has greatly blessed us with an average increase in our general fund giving of about 6% per year. The largest incremental increase occurs, you can see, between the periods 2006 and 2008, and then levels off a bit for 2009. wonder why that is. Well, according to U.S. economists, The current recession that we're all facing began in late 2007 and has been the worst downturn since the 1930s. Think of it. Consequently, this giving performance is remarkable. Let the people of God give praise to God in the assembly of God for that. Amen. Now, the next bar chart on the other hand, shows the total dollars given to our second major fund, the building fund, for the same time period. Now, for this fund, some five or six years ago, our church started a campaign. We wanted to try to pay off our mortgages on an accelerated basis. So we we had a campaign, and and that's still underway through this building fund. It takes about $180,000 a year to pay the normal mortgage principal and interest payment. So anything over $180,000 a year helps us to pay extra on the principal. And that's what we've been trying to do for these uh, past five years. But giving to this fund has shown a slight but steady decline, especially right around the start of the current downturn, 2007. The additional amounts paid on the mortgage principal have, in fact, been decreasing by about 10% per year. So consequently, we're not able to accelerate as much of the payment off of the mortgage as we were doing. But in any case, we do have a great milestone that we celebrated in the month of November. Do you remember what it was? Our main mortgage, which started out at $3.5 million, passed below the $1 million mark in November. As a matter of fact, I think it's down around $800,000 now. Let's praise God again for that. It should be noted that the combined total giving to all of our major funds through this five-year period has increased. The five funds are uh, General Fund, Building Fund, and the Great Commission Fund. Very important. They have increased collectively 3.5% per year despite a downturn in our economy that started over two years ago. Give God the glory again. (laughs) Weekly attendance information helps us to uh, put this all in context. Therefore, your annual report also has a bar chart 
showing, showing average weekly attendance for the last five years. I won't put that on the screen. But for the whole five-year period, ending in, in 09, our average weekly attendance, Sunday morning, has been 1,140, with a range variance of about 9%. So any given year, it's about 1,100 plus or minus 5%. Thus, attendance numbers alone do not correlate with giving trends. Again, praise to God. Incidentally, the largest weekly average attendance in the past decade was 1,192 that occurred over six years ago. Congregations like ours that are in transition between senior pastors are known to experience decreases in attendance, typically 50 to 20 percent. And many of you have asked me about this. The next visual trend line graphic shows our Sunday morning average weekly attendance for the last seven months. Critical time period. Three months. The last three months of last year, we were aware of Rick Crocker's resignation and into this year. So what's the effect? The average decrease from September 2009 to March 2010 is only about 14 people per week. This is well within our five-year historical variance average. But nevertheless, the concern is still a, the trend is still of concern. However, April so far proves it might turn that around. Finally, the last graphic that I want to show is an update on our general fund giving, which is in green, and our expenses in red to date to include the last seven months year to date. This chart is not an eye test. Some of you in the back might only see one line, but there's actually two lines. <clears throat> Again, our general fund giving line trend is in green, expenses in red. For continuity, the monthly averages for all the last 12 months are shown and included in these trend lines. FAC's expenses during this time period, starting with last April, have been deliberately held in check or reduced whenever possible in response to the apparent and steady decreases in our general fund giving. The overall decreased rate of giving over this time period, beginning last April, has been 8%. This is in stark contrast to the annual increases of 6% experienced during the last five years. Clearly, the recession of the last two-plus years affecting our economy has finally caught up with us. And many of you, I know, are seeking employment or out of work or have reduced incomes. As a matter of fact, in our prayer gatherings, that is a main topic of prayer and concern. We pray every week for those of you who are out of work, not just to find a job, but that your faith, that, that your faith will not waver. God is good. God is with us in the good times. God is with us in the bad times. God is with us on the mountain. God is with us in the valley. He's been with my family for 40 years. And we have not always honored him, but he's always hung in there with us. And he's doing that for our church, too. Clearly, the statistics show that even though there's this economic problem in our country, it's minimal effect on our church. Praise God forever. What can we do to close this gap? Pray. That's all you can do. Pray. Keep praying for those in our church family who need jobs. Pray for God's intervention and wisdom. 
We need lots of it. We need the Lord's help because our funds and cash reserves are falling short of the need. We don't want to borrow money to pay our bills. If this trend continues, FAC support service services and ministries will have to be restricted. We don't want to do that either. This is a pivotal year for our church, for our ministry. We're transitioning to a different senior pastor. We want to continue to pursue our vision, our mission, and our outreach and maintaining biblical stewardship of God's resources during economic hard times. May the Lord reveal to us individually our personal opportunity, and here's the word, to be passionate in our praying and passionate in our giving. Everything we have comes from God. As we unite in prayer to close this gap, praise the Lord. Finally, I want to recognize everybody on the finance team. Thank you. Permanent members of this team are your elder treasurer, assistant treasurer, missionary treasurer. We need at least two, uh, two elders on the team and two members at large from the congregation. This team meets every month for prayer. We review all the details of expenses and everything, the books and so forth. And if there's any issue, problem or decision that has to be made, we refer that to the Board of Elders with recommendations and so forth. So as you pray for the elders, also pray for the finance team. Praise the Lord. Let's give God praise again in his home. If you want to hear these reports again, they are available on CD at the Information Center after the service this morning for $2 apiece. It's been a privilege of mine, of course, to be with you these last three months. And the significance of the elder contribution to my life cannot be overstated. I have no idea how many elder boards I have worked with over the years. It's um, many. Now, this is one of the finest elder boards that we've ever had opportunity to serve and to be a part of. And what is so grateful uh, of these men, of course, is their care for the church, their care for individual families, and, of course, their care for pastors and their families. One of the benefits that has come my way from these able men has been the fact that they have allowed me time uh, to grasp the ministries of this church and to understand the significance of what this church is all about under the authority of Christ. And the last three or four weeks, of course, have been beneficial to me because I feel I've got a fairly good handle on the life of the church. And so it's great that they've allowed me to do this and to give us patience and resolve as it relates to uh, trying to find a new lead pastor for this able and significant ministry. So this morning I want to, for a few moments at least, to give you a bit of a snapshot as it relates to the process of trying to find a new lead pastor. And we want to divide that into three areas, the role of the district, the role of the congregation, and of course the role of the board search committee. First of all, let's look at the role of the Western Pennsylvania District in the process of looking for a new uh, lead pastor. The district superintendent, of course, is to coach the process of leading a large church in the significance of 
of securing a new lead pastor. Being a former DS for 12 years, uh, going to DS meetings in Colorado for all of those years, we have chance to rub shoulders with other DSs. There's about 33 of us, not including me now, of course, in that uh, fraternity. And we rub shoulders with each other as it relates to ethnic ministries and so on and so forth for small churches, uh, medium-sized churches, and, of course, uh, large churches. So in these meetings, of course, the yeses have the opportunity to find out, listen, gain additional information as it relates for large churches to find a lead pastor. So Dr. Jeffrey Norris, of course, is our coach as it relates to this important subject. Also, his role is to work with Elder Search Committee in preparation of the pastoral profile. And then once the profile is completed, he is to provide resumes once the pastoral profile is completed. And all of us will be a part of that process at some point. After the board calls, uh, the new lead pastor, the district superintendent, appoints the new lead pastor to this church as the lead pastor of First Alliance Church of Erie, Pennsylvania. That's his role. And he, of course, has been here several times to help us in that endeavor. Let's look for a few moments this morning at the role and duties of the congregation in search of a new lead pastor. First, we are to pray for the board and elders and search committee as it relates to their work. Congregation needs to be in attendance when town hall meetings are posted. And we're trying to get ourselves prepared to have these town meetings sometime in, in June, second or third week, to hear questions from all of us as it relates to the process that we're engaged in. All of us as congregants, we are requested to submit questions in advance of these town hall meetings to the chairman of the Elder Search Committee, to help in preparation for these gatherings. Also, during these town hall meetings, to feel free to ask questions when the opportunity, of course, is given. In addition, the committee, the, the, to complete a, a congregational survey when, when it's provided for in the search process. I'm currently working on that, and it's a very comprehensive search a survey pro, um, document, and this will probably be, be color-coded. Uh, one section will be for the youth, another section will be for non-members, and of course another section uh, will be in color code for the members of the church as well. This covers a tremendous amount of detail. And then of course once the uh, candidate is surfaced, we will be required as a congregation to vote in a straw vote format to inform the elders' search committee of your thoughts concerning the possible call of a candidate, and to attend meetings during the time of the candidate's ministry amongst us. In churches of this size, while in the office of district superintendent, I really strongly urge the board, search committee, etc., to have the candidate on site for a minimum of 10 days. And this enables uh, the candidate to meet with small groups, um, staff and elders, congregational meetings, and so on and so forth to get a, a clearer picture on the candidates we possibly can muster. 
The congregation also is to support the elders in their decision of a candidate, either up or down vote. And also to feel free to talk to an elder of your choice any time during the process. Why we've been careful not to give a lot of information at this particular time is I wanted to preserve the elders from these areas of concern. Number one, the elders need to know the process. We've been in that process now for three months. We're about half finished with it. And also the elders have information that they can give to you when you talk to them. And they're ready because they've been part of this process for these many months. So you can talk to the elders concerning any of these uh, concerns relative to the search process. And also, as a congregant, be available to serve as a member of the Board of Elders Search Committee process. And that will be coming forthwith. So that's your role as a congregation. Now, let me just stop and say this. I've heard several times that really the congregation has nothing to say about the process, the candidate, or anything of that nature. Uh, that is wrong. You are vitally a part and vitally necessary in the process of ultimately coming to a choice of a new uh, lead pastor. Thirdly, for a few minutes this morning, I want to discuss the role of the Board of Elders Search Committee in the search process of finding a new lead pastor. Their responsibilities are to gather information from the Western Pennsylvania District to conduct a thorough process of finding and calling a new lead pastor. And as I've mentioned, they're well into it. They are also to consider an evaluation of the previous lead pastor's ministry and also to evaluate the total ministry of FAC from these words, avoid, preserve, and achieve, centered around administration, communication, relational skills. Now, let me give you a little case study, and this is not uh, a problem in this church. That's why I've chosen it. I probably have hundreds of case studies that I can give to you, but we'll just take one this morning. In CMA churches across Canada and the United States, there are a lot of these churches who feel that every dollar that's given to the Great Commission Fund needs to go to Colorado or Toronto. In some of these alliance churches, there are couples who receive the call from the local church ministry, but feel led to go out under other missionary organizations in the Christian Missionary Alliance. And sometimes... Uh, the boards and the pastors of the church just let this particular issue develop and it becomes a little conflicted. And so what do elders and pastors need to do as it relates to this, the word avoid? It means that the lead pastor needs to be way out there, way out in the future, in terms of being able to see these particular young couples, etc., developing to become missionaries. And he needs to apprise the elders of this fact that maybe one or two of these couples are not going overseas with the Christian Missionary Alliance. So these pastors are to avoid that kind of difficulty as far as missionaries of the Christian Missionary Alliance, they're three notches up. And the missionaries that are going out of other organizations, they're two or three notches below. So we somehow avoid this conflict and recognize how God has led in the church 
and make those kinds of decisions as far as these couples are concerned. The new lead pastor needs to be able to do that in this kind of a large setting. So you avoid this kind of conflict. What does it mean as it relates to persevere or preserve? It means that we want to honor God's leadership in the life of the church by the Spirit. And that we preserve that. And that we see how God is going to work with these couples and work with the boards and work with the church as to preserve God's blessing and God's leadership in the life of the church. And what do we want to achieve? We want to achieve goodwill, a sense of placement, honoring Christ as head of the church, and being able to support these kinds of situations, these missionaries of, of, of the church. So that's just a little bit of a format of some of the questions we're going to go through, some of the case studies that we're going through as far as the elder board is concerned. So we want to center this thought around administration. Our administration is such that we promote goodwill and that we educate our people. Our communication, of course, is able to present the needs on an ongoing basis that people can understand what God is doing in the church as it relates to young couples and missionaries. And also that we promote relational skills that we have goodwill. God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of blessing. And he will give us wisdom as leaders to be able to achieve those kinds of results. Ongoing, of course, the evaluation would consider these additional thoughts as elders. Where are we as a church in our past? Where are we as a church now? Where do we want to be as a church and how are we going to get there as a ministry? And, of course, when the candidate comes, he used to have meetings with the staff, as the elders will meet with the staff during the process leading to a candidate. And the staff will give additional evaluation and input and come together as it relates to an agreement of the pastoral profile. And as these meetings take place, and all that information is gathered when we have the congregational survey. We'll gather that information. What's the end product? Putting in business terms. We all agree to what the new lead pastor should look like. His godliness. His gift mix. His maturity. His experience. And his availability. The larger the church becomes, the greater excellence is demanded as it relates to staff and pastors, of course. So that is the process which, of course, is done by the Board of Elders. In addition to that, the elders need to develop questions around the above six words for the interviewing process of the proposed lead candidate. And we're already into that. We've got at least a couple dozen questions in that. And they're working on some questions as we speak, of course. To complete a demographic survey of the city of Erie, and the same, of course, for the First Alliance Church of Erie. And as a result of all that work being done, surveys being completed, straw votes being taken, everything fits the profile, then they are to call a new lead pastor. And as a result of that call, the DS will appoint that particular pastor for the church. Now, I want to keep it as simple as I possibly can. I want to refer this to a football team. The coach is the DS. The board of elders is the quarterback. And the congregation is the football team. 
We're all in this thing together. All have vital parts and plays that we need to execute and achieve as far as the ultimate coming of a new lead pastor. My concluding question is this. You know, I have been at this now for about 14 minutes. Normally when I give this presentation to boards, it takes me three hours, so I really had to stir my head a little bit here. I haven't slept this morning, I can assure you. The concluding comment is this. What type of pastor will it take to meet us where we are and where he wants to lead us into his choice of his preferred pastor for our future? Amen. Before I adjourn the meeting, I'd like to uh, just take a couple of moments to... uh, First of all, I ask you to keep Dave and Karen Phillips in your prayers as they will be leaving this afternoon, uh, driving back to Georgia by way of Ohio, I believe, uh, to eventually take a plane to Vancouver, Canada. Yeah. To Vancouver, Canada, to visit with their daughter and her family for a couple of weeks. This was a planned vacation that had been already uh, in the works before he and Karen uh, were called to come here as our interim senior pastor and wife. So please keep them in your prayers as they're traveling and as they take this time to visit with family, and it will be a time of refreshment for them as well. I also want to take a moment to thank the Board of Elders, uh, not only those who are currently on the board, but those that I've served with during the past six years. I've appreciated all of their effort, uh, all of their godly wisdom and support, uh, they're a great group of men, and I uh, just want to thank them publicly for uh, the efforts that they've put forth, particularly during these last several months. And finally, I want to thank our staff. Uh, without our staff, none of the things that you heard about this morning would have taken place or the other activities and ministries that are part of First Alliance Church. They're a great group of individuals. They work hard. They're here every day, and I think we need to show them again our appreciation. Let's pray, Um, and after I pray, we're going to sing the doxology, but we will consider the annual meeting uh, adjourned and uh, will be the end of our business for this day.